Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. All right, good morning, Mercy family. Good morning, good morning. Hey, you got your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 3. We got some work to do today. Today, we are going to talk about how we hear from God. That's what we're covering today, how we hear from God. This is a very important thing to get right, but also at the same time, people are all over the place when it comes to how we hear from God. Like some of y'all are like, I hear from God in nature. I get out on a mountaintop and I go camping and that is where God moves. And others of you are like, why would you ever go camping? We now have electricity and running water. Like it's just, and some of you are go, well, I hear from God and I think in circumstances, like the other day I was reaching for that donut, but then the end of my fingers hit the donut off the table into the trash can. I was like, the Lord is speaking to me, right? Uh, maybe it's that. Well, there's, there's other ways. What about his word? Like we've got his Bible. We've got the preaching of his word, right? What about the Holy Spirit? What, what about God's people? What about angels? Are they still a thing? Like how does God speak to us? And what role does prayer play in all this? First Samuel 3, we're going to look at a prayer I've been praying daily since late July um, of last year, a simple prayer the Lord brought in front of me, and it has sh- shifted how I approach my relationship with God as much as anything has in the past 10 years. Uh, we're going to see our young boy, Samuel, who's kind of our main area of focus as we've started the book of First Samuel. It'll shift over to King David, Saul and King David in a little bit but right now, Samuel. He's going to invite the Lord to speak to him. He's going to pray a very simple, childlike prayer, speak, Lord, <laughs> Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And in God's kindness, through that invitation, that reading that, the Lord quieted my soul. I took this prayer as my own and began inviting God to speak. I go on long prayer walks where I was just listening to the Lord. This prayer was a big motivation for me wanting to preach 1 Samuel to you guys. Because y'all, we need to hear from God. We do. That's the reason some of y'all are here today. Some of you are here today because you're in a season of real struggle, and so you've showed up at church, and you're like, please, God, that same word that quieted the raging storms, I need you to speak a word of peace and comfort over my soul. Some of you are in a season of decision, and you're like, I need God to speak because I think about my future, your, your, your junior year of college, your senior year of college, or you're 10 years out of college. You're like, God, what am I supposed to do with my life? I need you to speak. Maybe you're making a decision in a relationship. Do I marry her, break up with her? What do I do? I need you to speak. Not only that, I'll tell you what, any Christian in this room, been around a Christian for a while, either one of our campuses, what they'll tell you is, man, it's sometimes it's been a word from God that has saved me from myself. I was walking down the path of sin, and maybe it was spoken through a brother or sister in Christ that came in and said, hey, you know what God's word has to say about this, and you didn't want to hear it at all right? But you received it because it was based on God's word. You hear it. And three weeks later, you're thankful that God spoke through your friend. We need God's word. 
I believe God is calling us as a church to take a step of faith this year, but we can't take steps of faith without first asking God what steps to take. Like, I don't want to just ask God to bless my plans. I want God to tell me where to go. I want to be a God-led people, and I want us to know how to recognize when God is leading. So today we're going to learn a little bit about how we hear from God, and we'll close our time like we did last week, praying together, inviting the Lord to speak to us. But we'll start 1 Samuel 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Thank you, Northeast. I heard you all the way from here. Let's go. Verse 1. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. Now, a quick review on how Samuel got here. If you're new with us, I'm going to catch you up. Samuel's mom, Hannah, prayed for a child and told God if God would give her a son, she would then return that son to the Lord in service of him. So God did. God gave her a son. She joyfully took him up when he's two, three years old and gave him to the Lord to serve. So now Samuel's this kind of like young priest in training under Eli. And the rest of the setting, that second sentence there, the word of the Lord being rare, prophetic visions being rare. This is a form of God's judgment on Israel right now. God has withdrawn his word in response to the evil of his people, and he's letting them walk in the darkness that they seem to desire. His word is light. They do not have his word. It's rare right now. They're walking in darkness. We see this in other places in scripture. A form of God's judgment on the sins of his people is withdrawing the prophets and withdrawing his very word from his people. He takes his word away. There's a little bit later in scripture, a little bit later in Israel's history, the prophet Amos puts this reality into words. In Amos 8, 11 and 12, he says, look, the days are coming. This is the declaration of the Lord. When I'm going to send a famine through the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People are going to stagger from sea to sea and roam from north to east, seeking the word of the Lord, but they're not going to find it. Y'all, that's what's happening. This is earlier with Samuel, but that's what's going on here. This is a dark chapter. I set that up and say, this is a dark chapter in Israel's history, but into that darkness, there's this ray of light and that we see that a lot in first Samuel. And our ray of light is in this case, the boy Samuel. And I hope you find a lot of encouragement in that today, that God chose this young boy to be his agent of great change. God has a habit of using the weak and powerless to bring about his purposes. So if you feel like you're too young or too insignificant, I just want to remind you that God is not waiting on your maturity or on your career advancement to use you. He's looking for willingness. Are you willing to be his servant and to be about his glory and not yours? He's ready to use you if you're willing. Verse two, one day Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Okay, this whole encounter is ripe with symbolism and I wanna make sure you don't miss it. Eli's physical eyesight is failing. That's his physical condition, but it's also his spiritual condition. His spiritual insight, he should be the most keen of everyone as the high priest of Israel. But his spiritual insight has been failing for years. When Hannah's praying in the temple, we saw this a few chapters ago, he thought she was drunk. He totally missed it. He totally missed the terrible men that his sons had turned into until it was too late. We saw that last week. His eyesight is indeed failing. 
And then it says, before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Again, there's what's happening, and then there's the symbolism to what's happening. Before the lamp of God had gone out, well, yes, that's just sort of the time in the middle of the night right before dawn, but it's also what happens next. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel. God has a plan. God has a hope right when it seems like darkness is going to set in completely. There's a boy named Samuel. Just you wait. I feel like I hear the Hamilton soundtrack just kind of playing right now in this moment with little Samuel. He's laying down in the temple of the Lord right next to the ark. The ark represents the physical presence of God. And here's Samuel, the one closest to it, symbolic of his role to come, going to be the closest one to God, to speak to God's people on God's behalf. For what it's worth, by the way, the closer you are to God, the better you will be able to hear from God, okay? Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. Now, if you, know your Old Test- if you know your Old Testament, you know this verse is very intentional because it confirms a special relationship between God and Samuel. It echoes some other very important calls that happen. Why right? you think of Abraham in Genesis 22, the Lord calls Abraham and Abraham responds, here I am, Lord. The Lord calls Jacob in Genesis 31, and Jacob responds, here I am, Lord. The Lord calls Moses out of the burning bush, and Moses responds, here I am, Lord. The Lord calls Isaiah a little bit later after Samuel, and he responds, here I am, Lord. Now, I know this is incredible childlike innocence to how it's happening. It's not full submission to God yet. He's not fully able to recognize God's voice yet. But the author intentionally opens it this way to tell us something very significant is unfolding in the house of God tonight. Verse 5. So Eli, uh, Samuel ran to Eli and says, here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back to sleep. <laughs> Go back and lie down. Every parent's like, that's what I'm saying. Um, so he went and he lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Couple of things. One, there's already an indicator here which we're going to be talking about hearing from God today. You cannot know the Lord apart from knowing the word of the Lord. We're seeing in this passage and throughout scripture, God and his word are so intertwined that you cannot know him apart from it. We're going to talk more about that in a minute when we get to how we hear from God, but keep it in mind to know God is to know his word, but also look at how patient the Lord is with boy Samuel here as he's going through this discovery. I love this reminder about the character of God in the repetitive, gentle call of the Lord. He sounds so much like a fatherly voice that Samuel mistakes it for Eli. God's word, powerful enough to create mountains and oceans and galaxies, yet gentle and patient enough that a young boy mistakes it for the father figure in his life. The relationship that God calls you into with him, it is with a heavenly father who is loving and gentle and patient with you too. Verse eight, once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up. He went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. Again, this is Eli. His sight is failing him, but eventually he realizes it and knows how to proceed. Verse 9. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, 
Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. Something different happens this time. We don't know exactly what it means that the Lord came and stood there, but Samuel's ready this time. Speak, your servant is listening. And this is the prayer I've been praying for months. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I think it captures so much of what a great heart for God sounds like in a few words. These are the words of a soul that desires to know God. It's changed me because it's a prayer of humility and listening Right, I'm a servant, you're the Lord. Every time I say it, I'm put back in my place. I put aside my request list that I want God to answer, and I just listen. And my relationship with God changes from monologue to dialogue, where I listen. And I want to tell you something Charles Spurgeon told his church years ago. He said, when you pray this prayer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It is a, he said, a probable mercy that the Lord will answer you. He will respond. Again, I'm going to show you how in a minute, but it's a probable mercy that he will. After all, he calls himself our father. Doesn't a father speak to his children? Yes, a lot. How else does he refer to us? He calls himself the groom and the church is his bride. Does a groom speak to his bride? Yes, a lot. My point is he speaks to us if we'll invite him to do so. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite God to speak to us for the next month. For the next month, every day at 3.10 in the afternoon or in the morning. I'm going to leave that to you, okay, to decide which way you want to do that. But at 3.10, we're going to pray 1 Samuel 3.10 together. All right, I went ahead and put it on my phone. I never bring my phone up to preach because you just don't want that. But I put it on my phone to show you, all right? 310, alarm's going to go off on my phone every single day, and all it says on that alarm is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I want us to pray that together as a church. I want to be an expectant people together and just see what the Lord has for us. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So I want you to take a second. If you got your phone with you, I want you to take a second, go ahead, and put the alarm in place right now. I am happy to pause my preaching to increase your prayer life, all right? You take a second. I'm going to make that alarm. I love it if you put it on, this is iPhone world, but you put it on there and you click on every day. It says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening every day. I'm like, yes, that's a great little addition there. Thank you, Siri. Usually I feel like you're against me, but that was great. There we go. I can hear the alarms already being set. You don't need to test all of your tones right now for what that alarm is going to do. You know which one works. I want you to pray. When this goes off, I want you to pray. Simple prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If you work with others who are here and a part of the church, invite some others in. Hey, we want to take a minute and pray together for the Lord to speak to us. Every day at 310, Mercy Church, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And then we're going to get together in one month on February 22nd. It's going to be a night of prayer and worship. Both campuses, a night of prayer and worship. We're going to fast all day long, and then we are going to gather together and ask the Lord to speak. Our goal in all of this, y'all, is to seek the Lord together. 
And on that night, we're going to do together what we do each day and what we do in our community groups. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I told you, I believe God really does have steps of faith for us to take in 2023, but I want him to make those clear to us. I think he has a step for you to take this year. Everybody has a next step, and I think he might just reveal that to you over this month when you invite him to speak. And we'll see what step of faith he might call us to. Let's see what God tells Samuel. Move to verse 11. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that will cause everyone who hears about it to shudder. And on that day, I'll carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. That was the prophet last week we saw come and already tell him this. His sons are cursing God and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. So Samuel lays down until morning and then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. This is tragic. The word Samuel receives from the Lord, it's a confirmation of what the prophet told Eli in chapter two, that sin and the tolerance of sin by God's priests has brought the punishment of God. And God chooses to reveal this now to his new prophet. Difficult news. And what happens next is an example of how God's word, when heard, when spoken, should be received. But before I get there, I want to show you a more full picture of how God speaks to us today. When we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, how does he answer? What are we listening for? How can we be sure? So what I want to do, if you will go with me, put on your thinking caps, is I want to take a deep dive into God's word. Okay, I'm going to venture beyond 1 Samuel 3 and look at the full counsel of Scripture. I think sometimes when we come across major things like this, we need to pause and look at what does all of God's Word have to say about it. So I'm going to take about 10 minutes. You're going to buckle up, and we're going to look at how does God speak to us? What are the different ways that the Bible tells us God speaks to us? Here's the first one. God speaks to us through his creation. Campers, it's okay, Right? Look at Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, what do they do? They pour out speech. And night after night, they communicate knowledge. Sometimes we tend to skip over this, but he says the days are pouring it out. Pouring out whose speech? God's speech and revealing knowledge. He's speaking through his creation. Now, what is he saying? He is saying he is glorious. This is all the power of God. Uh, We went out west last year for the first time. My family did. Took a little trip out west. And we're out um, in these campgrounds way high up, high elevation. And man, you could see not just like the stars that I guess we see here. You could see the whole Milky Way galaxy at night. And if I'm sitting there looking at that, and if I'm praying out there, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, I'm being reminded of who the Lord is. I'm looking at that. It's pouring out God's glory. It's telling me knowledge about God. Why? So that I will be humbled by and confident in the Lord that I am approaching. You're asking the one who created and sustains all things to speak to you. Are you really ready for that? Have you humbled yourself before that God? That's what his creation is saying. It's not the only way he speaks. God speaks through his providence. By this, I mean God has a way of speaking to us through circumstances and situations that we could have just never strung together on our own. 
but they come together, and as we perceive them, we're able to say with some slightly greater sense of certainty, not perfect certainty, perhaps the Lord is speaking here. This is the whole book of Esther. The name of God is never spoken in the book of Esther. Why? That's on purpose. It's to show the sovereign hand of God working through the events and circumstances of the day. When Esther is doubting a big risky step she's being asked to take to defend Israel, to save Israel really, her uncle Mordecai looks at everything that's happened in her life and says, listen, God is going to accomplish his plan. I promise you, God's going to accomplish his plan. But who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I love that. I love that because I see a lot of humility in what Mordecai says. In other words, it seems like this is what God is doing. And when it comes to speaking, God speaking through his providence, we should walk with that kind of humility. Who knows, perhaps. And there's, thankfully, there's some things we can test it against that I'll share with you in a bit. But I feel like this has um, been, I'll give you an example of this in our lives here as a church. The very building that I'm standing in right now, Mercy Church, Providence Road, I feel like um, as we've talked about it, what we've seen is this was God working through his providence, a bunch of circumstances. We were, Mercy Church started in uh, the Levine Senior Center, which is a Jewish senior citizen activity center, okay? Just to tell you, if you're thinking about planting a church, you can plant one anywhere, okay? That was in the Happy Times Ballroom is where we got started. And we're in there, but we're outgrowing it. It was great. We're outgrowing it. And we're like, Lord, we need a new place. We need a home. And we start, I mean, we searched everywhere. Searched everywhere, searched for a long time. Some of y'all were involved in that search and you remember this. It was difficult. We would get outbid on facilities. And we had this one Monday morning, I was getting news back on a facility that we were so excited about. We thought this would be a good long-term spot for us. Monday morning, 9 a.m., I get the call. Hey, we got outbid on the facility. And man, I was ready to spend the rest of the morning. I just set aside everything to be mad at God. Okay, that was going to be the rest of my morning. God, I'm mad at you. I kid you not, 20 minutes later, Vale Carter calls me. Uh, vale represented Candlewick Baptist Church. He was a member at Candlewick Baptist, which was the name of the church that was in this facility before we were. And Vale says, hey, um, we've been secret shopping your church for a little bit. Um, I'm a member over at Candlewick Baptist. There's a, a small group of us. I was wondering if you'd be interested in getting together to talk about maybe us joining your church and giving you the facility we have on Providence Road. I had set aside the whole morning to be mad at God. So I was like, well, I'm free, right? <laughs> so sure, I'll come. We get to Panera. He's telling me the whole story of the church, great and everything. And he says, would you like to come see the facility? And I cannot believe what I'm hearing, okay? Um, you want to give this to me? Like, I need to make sure we are saying the same words. They mean the same thing. And um, and I was like, well, I'm not doing anything, so we'll go over there and check out the facility. I only have to be mad at God, so I can do that while I'm driving. And I was like, there's a whole emotional shift that's happening right here while I'm driving over. We, that engages a conversation. We start talking about it and everything. We bring our elders in to assess it. We spend a lot of time in prayer over it. And at the end of the day, instead of us as a young church spending a lot of money to go into a facility. We were given a facility and given uh, what I'm going to call grandparents in the faith as well. Um, that, we looked at all that and we're like, this seems perhaps like what God is doing. 
right? And we felt, again, through prayer and a lot of time and conversation with one another, this seems perhaps like what God is doing. And he has blessed that step of faith by candlewick and mercy together in so many ways. That's one of the ways he works. But there's, another, there's other ways that he works. And this one, I think, probably the most important one. God speaks through his word. This is the one certainty we have when it comes to God's voice. Because it is perfect. Second Peter says this word is actually more sure, more reliable than if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were standing here talking to you themselves about what they saw. Why? Because the word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, is breathed out by God himself. All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So in all of the forms of God speaking that we're going to see that his word tells us, we test them by his word, his infallible word. Like I see these circumstances and, and I'm discerning them, but am I discerning them to lead me to do something that would be contrary to his written word? If so, I'm just wrong. And that's the devil maybe setting a trap. Like, well, Lord, I know we're not married, but the mood is right. And our song just came on the shuffled playlist. I know your word says that the marriage bed is reserved for husband and wife, but look at the providence. Nah, bro. No, 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 no. That ain't the Lord talking. Don't put that on him. All right. In the words of General Akbar, that's a trap, right? Listen, this is why I'm so insistent on basing our church on God's word. It's why I preach it because he speaks through, he speaks through the preaching of his word. Right? And there's evidence of that. Some of y'all come to me like, man, God was speaking directly to me. I love that because that's, that's God speaking, right? Um, uh, our ops director, Mandy Foster, she'll come to me from time to time. And she'll be like, hey, I need you to get out of my journal, okay? And I'm like, I promise you, I don't have enough time to read the things that I want to read, right? That's not me. That's the Lord speaking through the preaching of his word. What if we approached Sundays expecting to hear from God? Each of us in our hearts, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You tell me you want God to speak to you, then my response is, are you coming to the preaching of his word expectantly? That's why we say we expect God to change a life today. That's how. It's through his living and active word. Now, I think the, one of the reasons that the average church attendance has dropped to around 1.3 times per month for Christians is because we don't expect God to speak to us here. If we did... Things will be different. But by the way, he doesn't just speak on Sunday. Every time we open God's word, he speaks through it. In fact, the Bereans in Acts 17 are praised for hearing Paul's sermon and then going home and testing God's sermon against the word of God to see if it measured up and squared up. You want to hear from God? Read his word. Listen to it. Memorize it. Some of you want God to speak to you, but you wouldn't know what his voice sounded like because you never heard his word. You never sat down in front of his word. If you don't know him and don't know his word, it'd be like asking a stranger to tell you what to do with your life. Get to know him in his word, and then you'll recognize his voice. Some days you open up that word and the Lord just, I don't know how to say this. He just pierces straight to the heart. And you read his word and you are convicted you are comforted because you open God's word with speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Man, tomorrow morning when you get up in the morning and go to God's word, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak it with the Bible open. Start your time that way. 
And it's not going to be the same way every day, which is great because whether or not you sense that real piercing of the heart, you've got his word. So he is speaking to you. Just stay in it. If you don't feel it, you still know you have his word. Listen to me. God also speaks through his spirit. The two more ways that he speaks through his spirit. Then one other one. One of the great promises Jesus gave to his followers is that when he left, he would send a guide or a counselor, the spirit of truth. He says that in John 14, he will be in us and he will be with us. The Holy Spirit leads us. When we're reading God's word, the spirit convicts us. And there are times, listen, where the spirit speaks to the heart in a way that's never contrary to God's word, but in a way that we can't exactly link a specific verse that we just read. Feelings, emotions, warnings, joys, delights that the spirit of God puts on our hearts. This is what we talk, that's what the word is talking about in Galatians 5, 6, when it says, walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. We get, so what do we got to do? We got to be listening for the Lord to speak throughout our day. And sometimes as we're walking, the Lord impresses on us a burden, maybe for someone else to pray for them right there. Maybe gives us a word from his scripture to pray. Maybe the Lord tells you to go to that person and encourage them and give that word to them. Maybe it's just a word from God just for you. But I'll say this, y'all. God speaks through his spirit. God's spirit and his word are never in conflict. And I know that's what scares some of you about this one because you have been your Christian tradition background is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. And you haven't been trained in God the Holy Spirit. That the Trinity is, the third person of the Trinity is God the Holy Spirit who is actively working among us here and now. And I know you get a little scared about the God told me card, right? Some Christians abuse this. The, the activity of the spirit, they abuse it and say, God told me, like God told me that Sasquatch is real. So I'm selling my house and I'm going on a journey to find him. And you're like, no, he did not. Okay. We'll talk about how we know that that didn't happen. We'll talk about that in a second, but I'm telling you, don't let the fact that some people abuse it, shut down the reality that God still speaks to us through his spirit. So if God impresses something on you, pray about it, ask God for confirmation um, in my family, the Lord impresses things on Courtney a lot. Usually prayers for other people. And she'll tell you, it's scary to go talk to someone else on behalf of God. So we do it like the early church did, or maybe like Mordecai did. Acts 15, 28, they said they're, they're giving uh, a sister church some instructions. And they say, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit to tell you this. Seemed. Why don't we take that humility and apply it? I felt like God put you on my heart to share these things with you. It seems like it. That's not, couching it that way is not a lack of faith. It, I shouldn't say it this way. It's not a lack of faith in God. It's a lack of faith in yourself, and that's good humility. Like, you may not be able to completely, perfectly interpret what God is saying. It's good humility. But that shouldn't stop us from listening to the Spirit and taking steps of faith. Here's the last way God speaks that I'm going to share with you from Scripture. God speaks through his people. In his kindness, God has given you the church. His people who speak his words and who confirm his words. Which is why I told you last week, get people in your life that you will listen to when they speak a word to you. And when that is you, take that responsibility seriously. I've received several words from God through his people that have been huge blessings in my life. 
sometimes confirming my calling, some calling me to courageous faith and leadership, some warning me about a bad path I didn't realize I was heading down. I am where I am because I've chosen to listen, sometimes when I didn't want to, when God speaks through his people. This is why it matters, by the way, that we are praying for one another, specifically I want to talk about in our community groups. Like when I tell you to get into a community group, I don't tell you that because we want like a program for you to be involved in. It's because I want this to take place in your life where you speak to one another, pray for one another, and then speak and encourage one another in your walks with God. Now listen, the way to test whether or not God is speaking, this is important, is to basically evaluate, to test what you might be hearing from God against all of these things. So if the circumstances, the word, the spirit, and his people all agree, well, then there is a probable mercy that God is speaking. So here's a questions to ask, and you need a yes to all four, okay? Does this thing that you think God is saying, does it exalt Christ? Does it exalt Christ? Is Christ the hero here, or are you? Or is someone else? Are you actually exalting your idol? Is what you sense God, maybe it's a step he's calling you to take, what you think God is saying to you, does it exalt Christ? Is he the hero? Does this thing agree with scripture? If this word does not agree with scripture, like I said earlier, that ain't God talking. All right? Is the spirit confirming it? Do you say, this is that sense of, man, I've prayed about this several times. The Lord has not let this go. I sense this is something that God is, a step he's calling me to take. Is the spirit confirming it? And then do other Christians confirm it? Very important. You've got to have other believers in your life who are going to take this and test it against the word of God. Sometimes you're like, man, I felt a groaning in my spirit. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. He's like, no, you had Mexican food, and that's what you're feeling. That is heartburn. That's a different kind of thing, okay? That's where the Christians, and that's where God's word is there to help you discern what God is doing. You get a yes to all four of those, though. Think maybe this is the step God's calling me to take. I want us to be people that take courageous steps of faith. I want to be humble enough to test them against what God has called us to test it by. Let's see how this closes, all right? That's how God speaks to us. Let's jump back into 1 Samuel 3, see how this closes. Well, naturally, Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, here I am. Or Samuel, my son, and Samuel answered, here I am, answered Samuel. What was the message he gave you, Eli asked? Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told everything, told him everything and did not hide anything from him. And Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Samuel didn't hold back a hard word that he had to give someone he loved. There's a word in that to us, brothers and sisters. Eli made it easy on him by like cursing him, you know, if he didn't say it. So Eli, maybe that's what you need to do. I may mean, God curse you if you don't tell me what, you know. Um, but when he did, when he put it there, Samuel spoke the full word of God. And I know sometimes we avoid those hard truths. We especially try to avoid it when we got to say it to somebody else. We really want to avoid that. Sometimes that's what God calls us to do. Verse 18, the response of the one who hears from God. He is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Somebody tells you they have a word for you. Well, he's the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. 
I'll receive it. I'll pray and ask the Lord to confirm it or not. Eli fascinates me. His cowardice ultimately dooms him and his house, but he does understand who God is. He knows that God's in charge and that God knows best. He's God's servant, so he receives it not as Samuel's word, but as God's word. Verse 19, Samuel grew. The Lord was with him, and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. Get a little zoom out here that's happening. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh, where Samuel was, because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. This is awesome. What's happening here is for the first time since Moses, Israel now has a national prophet. God's word that was once rare is now regularly accessible to his people again through his prophet Samuel. And if you remember, we said in week one, you got to read the narrative looking for the bigger picture of what's happening. And what's happening is God is pulling all the divided tribes of Israel together. And before he gives them a king, he gives them a prophet who would have the authority to anoint the king. And the even bigger picture is that Eli, the priest, who is supposed to go into and atone for, offer a sacrifice that atones for the sins of the people. And Samuel, the prophet, the one, is to, the one who's supposed to hear from God and then speak on behalf of God to his people. And then David, the king, who's the one who's supposed to lead God's people wholly and perfectly. All of them are foreshadowing Jesus. We need a priest to go atone for our sins. We need a prophet to speak God's word to us. We need a king to direct us. And there is no human that can perfectly do these things. And certainly not eternally. All of them point to the coming of Jesus, who Hebrews calls the prophet, priest, and king. Some of you, you're wondering what God's saying to you today. He is speaking to you. He's telling you to come back to him. You're asking God to speak, and I'm telling you, Hebrews 1.1 says today, in the former times, God spoke through his prophets, but now he has spoken through his son. And you need to come to Jesus today, and the word for you is repent and believe. Repent and believe. All the things that got all the providence and circumstances that has gotten you right here, I promise you, everything else that's happening, it is to point you to his son, who has offered himself on the cross where you belonged and where I belonged. And he offered himself up, saying that he's going to take the place for you. He's going to pay for your sins so that you might walk free from your sins and forgiveness. And you might have new life here and in eternity. The only word you need is repent of your sins and believe in what he has done for you. I promise you he's speaking. He's drawing you towards himself. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close the sermon time, as we did last week in a time of prayer together. We're going to ask the Lord to speak, to guide and direct us. We're going to walk through kind of each area of life, or at least a few areas of life, and we're going to begin inviting the Lord to speak, something that we'll continue to do every day until we gather on the 22nd of February. Now, here's the deal. Both campuses, we're going to divide up into groups of two or three. If you weren't here last week, let me explain kind of the ground rules for how this works, okay? We're going to divide up groups two to three. We're going to pray out loud with our words together because it's good to pray with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. But some of you are brand new to church. This was your big step was actually being in here and you're not ready to pray with someone else yet. Okay, here's how we do this. In a second, I'm going to tell you to identify your prayer buddy. 
okay? And you're going to use eye contact, like me, you, me, you, me, you, me, that kind of thing, right? You identify the person you're praying with. If you are not ready to pray with anybody, what you're going to do is immediately drop your head like this, okay? You're going to look at your shoes, and that will be the indicator that you're going to be praying by yourself today, okay? And we're good with that. I hope you will get to where you pray with other brothers and sisters here in the church, but maybe that's a step that you're not ready to take yet. So now what I want you to do is take 10 seconds and identify your prayer buddy and get seated up with them. Ready, set, go. All right, I told you 10 seconds, and I actually gave you 17. So great job. Way to go, everybody. Super proud of you. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have um, four different prayer promptings. They're all going to be the same thing. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, but it's going to be through different um, areas of our life. All right? I want you to take a minute and pray for one another and pray and ask the Lord to speak through his word. And it's okay if then you, like, finish what you're saying, you finish Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and then you even sit there in a moment of silence. And then maybe the next person prays, or you just sit in a moment of silence. I want us to get good at dialogue with the Lord, okay? So it's okay if the whole time you're not praying. And then I'll transition us to the next point, next point, and next point, and finally close us out, all right? Your first one I want you to pray for is, Lord, in my time with you each day, in my time with you each day, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And would you pray that over that person that you're praying with as well? Lord, as we get before your word, and we get alone with you. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You take a second and you pray that together. I want you to invite the Lord into your relationships. Maybe it's, maybe it's your marriage or your dating relationship. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's friends. Whatever that is, those relationships and maybe whatever conflict is going on in them, I don't know. But it, Lord, in my relationships, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You go ahead and continue praying.
I want you to give him your future. In my plans for the future, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You know what we got in front of us. You know what I have in front of me. Lord, I want you to set the trajectory, not just bless what I want to do. I want to hear from you. Speak, Lord, in my plans for the future. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Finally, in our church, God, would you speak? Speak to us as a church body. We want to be led by you in our church. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We keep praying. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We want to hear from you. We need your word. We need you to set our steps. We need the humility to surrender our hopes and dreams to you, to surrender our ambitions to you, to surrender all things. We need to be servants. We need your spirit to humble us so that we might listen and be guided by you. Thank you, Father, that you have spoken in your word. You have called us sons and daughters in Christ. You have spoken forgiveness of our sins in Christ. You have spoken new life. The things that once held us captive do not hold us captive. You have told us that in your word. We are new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. You have spoken and told us that we have eternity waiting for us with you. Thank you, Father, that you have spoken to us. We exalt you. We thank you for your word. And humbly with our hands open, we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Father, we pray this, wanting and desiring to be a church that serves you, that seeks your glory and not our own. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen.